Good morning. On this Monday morning, welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. In the scripture, we will find a contrast, a big gap between the rich and the poor. Jesus said, the poor you're always going to have with you. And if you look around in this world, you will see that to be true. But you will also find the rich. You'll find the the believer, the individual that serves and loves God, that is poor, and you'll find the believer that serves God, that is rich. In the scripture, we find that Abraham was made very rich by God. So was Isaac. So was Jacob. We find that Job in the scripture was very rich. The thing about these individuals that I'm mentioning is they also had a trust and confidence in God. They believed in Him. They served Him. They weren't perfect, but yet they followed Him to the best of their ability that they could. We have David. David was not rich. He was a shepherd boy. He served his king. He served his father. He served the sheep. Uh, helping his father out there in the pastures or out there wherever he was at. But when God brought him out from where he brought him out, he exalted him, he blessed him, and he gave him beyond his wildest dreams the blessings in the natural. But God also blessed him in the spiritual, promising him through a covenant that there would always be a king to sit on the throne and that the Messiah would be born through his lineage. Then, of course, you continue through the scripture, and you can find Solomon. He was very, very rich also. But at the end, his failure, his failure because he piled up the riches, of which the scripture said, you know, do not pile up the gold, do not multiply uh, the horses, do not... uh, Uh, multiply in in this case uh, all the wives that he had from different countries from different uh, religions different things that you know eventually messed up his life but when you stop and think about it then you have that poor widow woman that was throwing in one little mite into the treasury as Jesus sat there and he said of all these people the rich and the poor she has put in the most because she has given of what she had of her living, her last little mite. I mean, the, the last. There was no more. Whereas the others, out of their abundance and the leftovers of their excess, uh, they had given. You have the woman who uh, her husband was a prophet and he passed away. He was in debt and they were going to sell her children. And she asked the prophet, uh, you know, this is the situation. And of course, God blessed her uh, by obeying the prophet. Then there's the woman that took care of uh, the prophet Elijah with that little barrel of hers and that little flask of oil. And for three years, they lived on that little bit that every single day God miraculously supplied. So we do see a contrast both then and a contrast today. So what does this mean to us today? It means that God is not against riches, but he is against trusting them. 
He is against loving them. For the loving of money is the root of all evil. Stop and think about those words. It is the root. That means from the root you have the stem and the trunk. From the stem and the trunk you have the branches. From the branches you're going to have the leaves. And you're going to have the flowers. And you're going to have the budding. And you're going to have the fruit. So it is at the root of the problem that we want to deal with in the beginning so that the thing doesn't get out of control in our lives. If we can learn to live and love God and serve Him first, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and serve Him with all your might, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your spirit, with all your heart. Then you won't run into the problem and the issue of serving God and having money serve you for the purposes that He intended that they should or it should serve you for the kingdom of God. There may come a time in the future when in the kingdom of God we will not need money. I'm just saying this. Uh, however thing the kingdom is going to work, there's not going to be any uh, economical, financial woes. There's not going to be poor. There's not going to be rich. Everyone will have what they're supposed to have we're not going to have to worry about our light bill, our heating bill. We're not going to have to worry about air conditioning. We're not going to have to worry about if there's enough water, if there's enough clean air. All of that will be taken care of. But in this world, God has promised his people to meet our needs. Maybe not necessarily all the wants that we want in this world, but he has promised to meet our needs. So as we continue our study as we have been learning of God being our provider, we had mentioned in the book of Revelation the problem that that church had, the church of Laodicea, that they said they were rich. They were increased with everything that they needed, and they had come to the point where they said, they said, we don't have need of anything. There's nothing that we need. That's when the problem comes. Because as long as we're self-sufficient, then we ourselves sit on the throne of God and make ourselves God. Which that in itself is idolatry. And God is definitely against idolatry. But when we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I can't. I am weak in myself. I don't know what to do. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I don't have the means. I put my trust in you to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And then we begin to realize then that only in him can we truly say like David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The shepherd led his sheep to where the food was. The shepherd led his sheep to where the water was. The shepherd was the one that protected and healed and wound up the wounds of the uh, of the sheep that were hurt. He was the one that would take care of them. The sheep were too unable in themselves to do that. In fact, if it wasn't for the shepherd, the sheep would just uh, basically eat, 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 eat until they'd blow up. And of course, I'm being facetious there, but in other words, they'd eat. 
so much that they literally would reach the point where they could even die. And that is what happens in the Christian life. If we're not careful letting the shepherd take care of us and shepherd our lives, the great shepherd, and I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about a pastor of a church, but, but the great shepherd, then we will miss out. We, we need to learn to take time to develop that relationship and have him have, have him be our shepherd so that we can reach a point and, and be able to say, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my shepherd is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me when I'm hurting. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So this is a wonderful, wonderful psalm for an individual to begin to appreciate and learn that he can trust God in the minutest and the smallest of little things and have him provide. In just a curiosity, there's many times in, in, in my Christian life when I have uh, had a thought, Lord, it, it, I sure, you know, it'd be nice. I, 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 I'd enjoy Maybe this week eating this or or having this or and then without without just ex- expecting uh, from somebody to do it, just expecting Lord, this this is just I'm just sharing my heart with you. Then all of a sudden, the door is available. Uh, there may be somebody, someone, somewhere. All of a sudden, they have exactly what you were desiring, exactly what you were wanting, exactly what you were needing. Simple little things in life, but that's how our root of trust and confidence in Him begins. It begins to little by little, every little part of the root begins to expand and extend and takes a hold of another promise, takes a hold of another word that the Lord has spoken into your heart. And little by little, that trunk, that stem begins to grow. And as it does, then you begin to learn the faithfulness of God, that He is faithful. Even though we may be unfaithful, He is faithful because He cannot deny Himself in that He will fulfill His word. And He's not going to do it like man does. He's not a man that He should lie, nor a man that He should have to repent. But He's going to do it because He is the eternal God. And because he is the eternal God, he is unchanging in his nature. And his nature is that of one of being true and truth. One of being loving and caring. And caring enough, not only for every little bird that drops from the sky, caring enough to feed them, caring enough to dress, like he said in the scripture, the lilies of the valley with the finest of colors, arrayed in the greatest beauty that you can imagine that man can try to copy but never reach, never reach the things that God in nature himself has painted on his own. So when the people of Laodicea, when they said they were rich and they were increased in goods and had need of nothing, they were rebuked and they were told right off the top, then you have not realized the state of being in which you find yourself. 
And that is an eye-opener for us that we have to recognize that if we reach a point where we think we are self-sufficient within ourselves, my job will be all I need. It'll provide all the money. It'll provide all the insurance. It'll provide everything that I need. Then we are fooling ourselves. We are reaching a point where the scripture says we do not know that we are actually wretched, we're miserable, we're poor. Notice, he said you're poor even though you say you're rich. You're poor even though you're increased with goods. You're poor even though you say you have nothing because the things that you need are the things that you don't have. And the things that you have are the things that you don't need. And then he says, you're also blind and naked. And finally, of course, and we've gone through this scripture already several times. There's still more that we can still get out of it. And finally, he says, I'm counseling you. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know, you know, this is the way it should be done. This is the way that things should be uh, organized in your life. I'm giving you jointly advice. I'm recommending this. I am consulting with you. Buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. See, the true gold is the gold of faith. It's the gold of our faith having been tried in the fire because then those things are going to last forever. Those are going to be the eternal things. Remember, on the judgment day of the Christians, on the Bema judgment, every work, everything that we have done is going to be tried by fire. And the only thing that is going to last, the only thing that is going to endure, the only thing that's going to be permanent, the only thing that we will find at the end of that test is that which has been through and has passed already, the test of fire of faith. The faith that God has provided and given to the believer has gone through that fire and it will not be burned up on that day because it already on this earth has gone through the testing of fire. And that is the counsel of buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich, rich in faith, rich in things where the thief can't get in and steal where the thing itself will not uh, get eaten by moth or, or, or rust or, or corrupt or corrode uh, or dissolve. And besides that, he says, the clothes that I give you, the clothes of righteousness, it, it doesn't show your shame. Your nakedness is not appear. And your eyes need to be anointed. Your eyes of the your understanding that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that you may be able to see. Well, consider this food for thought and for the imagination. Take these nuggets today. Let God enrich and truly open your eyes. But until then, keep looking up. Our redemption draweth nigh. The Lord richly bless you. Join us again on Tuesday as we continue along these lines. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.